You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Good morning. Great to be here with you today. That was quite the uh, bumper video. You might have seen a white jacket and a little eyeliner in there from the 80s party. I don't normally dress uh, that way, just for the record. Uh, My name is Andy. Uh, I am not the lead pastor here. I pastor our Every Nation Church uh, in Atlanta, actually just north of Atlanta, in Kennesaw, Georgia. But this is like a second, uh, it's like a second church, a second home to us. And my wife uh, and four kids, uh, in fact, my oldest son, Graham, is with me today. Big shout out to my my guy here today. Join me. We just absolutely love In Focus Church, and we love the staff here, the leadership team here, and we love Pastor Brent and Pastor Carla. They're good, dear friends of ours. And so thank you for uh, having me here today uh, to get to preach and to get to speak. I was just in Manila with Pastor Brent for two weeks. Oh, man. And it, it was a test of everything that God has ever put inside of me to be with him for that long. But God will sustain you. He'll give you what you need through difficult times. Just kidding. Last time I was here, Pastor Brent absolutely dogged me over seminary. But you know what? I'm I'm choosing the high road today, Pastor Brent. I want to honor you. You ready? Guys, we're going to get into it today. I'm rocking an astronaut with a radio shirt today. And yes, I was in a boy band. Uh, That did happen back in the day. If I didn't mention it on a microphone at some point in this moment today, it would have gotten mentioned. I was in a boy band. I do love music. Um, Here's my question for you. What is your jam, okay? What's the song for you? What's that album, okay? If you were an an astronaut in outer space and you had one song that you got to play when you landed on the moon, what would it be, right? What's your song? Some of you know what this is like, that song that just, it comes on in the store while you're shopping and all of a sudden your mood just, it just changes. You're like, oh yeah, takes you back. See, your, your song, your, your, your jam, so to speak, oftentimes it's associated with seasons of your life or a memory or something strong, you know, being with family, friends, a car even, right? I mean, we have songs that just do something inside of us. Now, I am a baseball fan as well. I was just at the Braves game a couple weeks ago, and I have to tell you, Bon Jovi came on at the stadium living on a prayer, and the whole place went crazy. Now, as a white person, something magical happens when you hear living on a prayer. It's like a journey, you know, don't stop believing. Something happens to us. I don't know. I can't explain it, right? But it is kind of a magical experience, and the place went berserk. It went absolutely nuts because for a lot of people, this is their jam. It takes them 
back, right? And so to wherever it was, whenever it was, it's their jam. If you're at a wedding, you may be tired. Maybe you're the person who dances at the wedding, but you're cashed out, you're done, you're ready to leave, and you're, you're walking out the door, but your song comes on. You know what you have to do. It doesn't matter how tired you are, you have to go back out to the dance for at least one more because after all, it is your song. It's your jam. So my question to you rhetorically is, what's your jam? Now, I don't have a paper Bible on this podium with me today, but what you may not know is that the Bible is literally filled with songs, jams, so to speak. And maybe they wouldn't have made your foot start, you know, bopping in the synagogue or the temple, right? I don't know what they would have sounded like for the most part. But from cover to cover, you have people singing songs, and these songs are designed for you to recount the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the story of God. It's to remind you of who he is, what he's like, and what he's done in your life. That's the purpose of it. And so my hope today, by the end of the message, is to give you, out of the Bible, a brand new jam. Something you can put in your back pocket. You guys with me today? Yeah. Let's pray. We're going to turn to Psalm chapter 1 this morning. The beginning of the Psalms. Father, be with us today as we get into the Scriptures as we get into the Bible, Lord, we want to love your word more. We want to love you more. We want to live for you. Help us to do that today. Amen. All right. Psalm chapter 1. The writer here is David, and he's writing about wisdom. It's the very first psalm. Psalms literally mean music set to the harp. So th these are songs. These aren't the kind of things you would naturally, nowadays in 2022, just sing a song about. But here we are, no less, in Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Lots of big words here, lots of heavy words. When you think of songs and singing, you don't typically think of singing this, but this is a psalm that would have been sung literally in the synagogue or in the temple. And again, it was to remind people of how to live, who God is, how God works, etc., etc., etc. 
And in the same way that you've got a jam and that jam can alter and change your mood, God designed the scriptures so that when you would read them and interact with them, they wouldn't just change your mood, but they would change your actual spirit. The Bible is not an ordinary book. It is alive and it is active. It is not the same thing as you reading Hunger Games or, or whatever book that you're into or the Harry Potter or this. Or that. It's not the same. It is not the same. And when you read it and you get that thing inside of you in the same way that all of a sudden you hear that thing on the, on, uh, you know, in the store and whoo, that just you feel it. Well, the word of God is the same. And when you interact with it and you put it down deep and it actually is tied to things in your life, when you read it and then you read it again and when you interact with it again and it comes up again and you see it on the t-shirt and you see it print, all of a sudden it's like, whoo, something got inside of me and reminded me of who God is and how faithful he is. That's what the word does. And so here we are in Psalm chapter 1. And David is giving us wisdom, and here's what we've got. We've got two paths, one choice. You have the way of the wicked, and you have the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. Two paths, one choice. Say this with me this morning. Two paths, one choice. If I flash this right here, this is your cue for two paths. So throughout the message today, you're going to hear this, two paths, right here, bam. One choice, two paths and one choice. And you see this pattern literally from beginning to end in the Bible. What happens in the garden? Genesis 1 through 3, what do we have? We've got Adam and Eve, and you can choose to eat from this tree and I'm telling you not to eat from this tree. What do you have? Two paths, one choice. Then you've got Cain, Adam and Eve's son. And what does the Bible tell us? The first murder is about to happen. And God says, Cain, the enemy is outside your door. Don't give in. Don't let this, don't let this get inside of you. Don't do this. What do you have in front of you, Cain? Two paths and one choice. Do what's right. Abraham, you're, you're going to be my guy. And through you, we're going to build the people of God, but you're going to have to leave everything behind. Father, family, money, well-being, job, security. But ultimately, you've got to decide. And what you got, Abraham, you've got two paths. One choice. Just about every character in the Bible, from Esther, Rahab, Samson, Jesus in the garden, Peter, the list goes on. You have the same thing happening. Even Jesus, what does he teach? He, he teaches the same thing that we see in Psalm chapter 1. There's a narrow path and there's a wide path. And most people miss the narrow path and they prefer the wide one. They get lost in all of it. 
They choose wrong. If you're an Indiana Jones fan, and you grew up in my generation, the last crusade, you remember the, the famous line, he, you have chosen poorly. Anyone, does anybody remember? <laughs> Maybe it's just me, sorry. Okay, my bad. The writer here gives us a great picture of what these paths look like. Path number one, the progression of sin. We've got those who walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, and sit in the seat of scoffers. Standing, excuse me, walking, standing, and sitting. Guess what you do like 99% of the day? Those three things. You stand, you walk, you sit. That's your day, is it not? Some of you would add running to that. God bless you. Okay? God bless you. But this is, they're giving you a picture of the average day of a human here and the progression of sin. It's to help you understand that sin is progressive. It does not ever stay put. You cannot contain it. You cannot manage it. Once you let that thing in, in, inside and you open the door, it's game over if that's your choice two paths one choice Psalm 1 6 says that the way of the wicked leads to perishing the way of not honoring God not living for him it always takes you to the exact same place. Ruin. Perishing. My, my wife and I, I, I grew up in St. Louis, and yes, while I mentioned that I was a baseball fan, I'm not, I'm not an anti-Braves fan, right? But I am a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And I know that is a great, tremendous disappointment. Some of you can't even listen to the sermon from this point on. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> We were on a trip to Missouri driving back to Atlanta, and I had the GPS out. My wife Amy and I were looking at the phone, and we found a shortcut to get us from Backwoods, Missouri to Atlanta, and the GPS, I mean, we're looking at it. I see the map. It's not interstate. It's Backwoods, little bitty roads, and I'm thinking to myself, I've never heard of any of this route before, but it's the GPS. It cannot possibly fail me. It can't. For those of you that are office fans, you know what this is like. Michael Scott driving right into the lake or the pond. It can't fail you. It's the GPS. Okay? And so we're off, and I'm, we are going to shave some time from Missouri to Atlanta. And the sun is beginning to set, and we are in the middle of absolute nowhere. And you know what it's like all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing less and less and less other humans, other cars. Like, no, there's not even other cars coming the other way. And you're thinking to yourself, this, should we turn around? No. It's the GPS. <laughs> it cannot be wrong, okay? 
and we are cruising. The sun is setting. It's just us on the road, and we're, we're, we're shaving time. And thank the Lord we're actually paying attention because we get to the bridge, right, connecting this side of the road to the other side because that's what bridges do, except there was no bridge at all. There's no bridge connecting the road. And if you're not paying attention, you're going over the side of this thing. And I don't remember signs. Now, I'll tell you, they probably were there. And isn't that how life is? There, you, if you were to go back and see and look and look at the footage, there were probably signs telling you, stop, don't go this way, turn around. But you were just determined. You've got a better way to do it. You've got a better way to do it, a shorter way to do it, a faster way, a cleaner way. You're going to do it differently than everyone prior to you, and you're going to get it. You're going to you figure it out, finish it. You've got it. You, you, you've got it. And you blow through all the signs because you got this. But the way of the non-righteous and it's a big word, wicked. Who wants to be called wicked? We don't even use it. I don't use that word very often. And it's one of the reasons why we blow through a passage like Psalm chapter 1, because we think to ourselves, wicked, like uh, that, that's a word reserved for like dictators and, and, and tyrants. The evil, the wicked, surely this is not me, and yet this is simply those who choose to build their life and pursue a route that is different than what God desires. That's the way of the wicked. Welcome to the club. All of us know what it's like to choose the wrong way. We all do. And it always leads to the exact same place. A ruinous end. Two paths. But you got one choice. In my house growing up in St. Louis, we had, you know, in the 80s, we had a bay window. You guys remember crank windows that you would crank open? Did anybody ever, anybody have one of those growing up? Uh, we did. And I wanted to spend the night at my friend's house. I'm about nine years old, and, and I decide, you know, this is happening. And my mom says, no, it's going to be a family night, and I didn't like that. So I went out into the garage and started kicking stuff. Wrong decision number one. Sin never stays put. It never stays contained. And once you decide to give in, it always grows. And that path becomes ever wider. And my bay window was just tall enough where nine, ten-year-old Andy could stick his hand up as he's walking by, and about, you know, yay high, about this would be showing in the window. And my mom was in the kitchen, her back was to the window, and I thought it'd be a great idea to walk past in my rage and anger and give my mom the bird. Mmm. That's right, nine, ten-year-old Andy. 
not good. And I'm making it down the street after I just thought, I got away with this. My path is better. And I heard the screen door slap open. And you know there's a distinct sound of the, sli- the, the screen door when it slaps open with, with, some, with some angst to it. And I froze and my mom said, Andrew Morgan King, come here right now. Oh, no. And I got there and she said, Andrew Morgan King, did you just give me the middle finger? No. I would never do that. She said, I'm going to give you one more chance to get this right. Did you just give me the finger? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And now the worst of it all. You're going to go to your room. What are you going to do? You're going to wait until your father gets home. (laughs) God, no, please, in your mercy. If you're really real, spare me now. Visit me, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Sustain me in my dark times. The way of the wicked leads to ruin. It leads to a perishing of your soul. We laugh about it. We joke about it. And yet we know it is true. Two paths, one choice. Two paths and one choice. What choice are you going to make? And the truth of the matter is, most people don't really need a whole lot of teaching as it pertains to what is right and what is wrong. That's not to say that we don't need some biblical education, but there is a writing on the heart of humanity that knows that it's wrong to steal. We know that it's wrong to lie. We know that it's wrong to walk past the bay window and drop a finger on your mouth. You know that. We get it. And yet the moment comes, two paths, one choice, and you've got to decide, am I going to be the kind of person who honors God with my life and I let his kingdom rule truly reign in my heart or am I going to do it my way? Two paths. One choice. preached a version of this message in my church in Atlanta. It was a bit different, but as I was preaching a little bit of this text, I could see parents. You know, they're leaning over their kids, and they're like, this message is for you. You better listen to this, <laughs> right? Like, this is for you. I got, and I want you to hear this. This message is for everybody. No exceptions. And because of these, the, the, law, the, the righteousness, the wicked language, we dismiss much of what God is saying here. And, and I want you to catch this because the way of the wicked, it, it, the way of, of not living for God, it can look a lot of different ways. Look at what the righteous life looks like. And, and then we've got a little contrast that happens. When you delight in God's instruction, In fact, I'll just even read this. Blessed is the man who does what? Or woman? Delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This is what a righteous person does. But we read that and we're like, meditate day and night? What are we we even talking about here? How am I going to live this way? I'm not meditating on God's divine instruction day and night. 
What, what are we after? And then Psalm 1-4, his life or her life, it's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and its season and its leaf doesn't wither. In all they do, they prosper. That's what the life built and, and choosing the righteous path, this is what it looks like. It's like a tree planted by streams of living water. And what does that tree look like? Let's just get descriptive for a second. A tree like that is strong. You've been around a big tree lately? I mean, a big tree. Being around a, a large, rooted tree, it's actually amazing. Like the kind of tree you can't get your arms around, but you know, I mean, just massive trunk, a redwood style type deal, strong. What else is, a, is your life like? It's fruitful. Everything that you do, it's prosperous. I want that. You know what else a, a tree is? A tree isn't stressed out. Right? It's got this just, it's a, it, there's a confidence. It kind of goes into that strength, but a, but a confidence, a non-anxious presence. When you think of that old tree, that tr it's just, it's been there. Oh, it's seen some storms. It's not going anywhere. And so we have this contrast, right, of the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. And yet I don't feel like I can, I put myself in the camp of the wicked. So where do I fit? Am I the righteous? Because at the same time, I don't feel like I fit over here in this camp. I can't honestly say that I feel very strong a lot of the times. And I can't say that I feel non-anxious. I'm anxious all the time and I feel stressed out all the time. And I can't say that I'm very prosperous. In fact, my life feels a little bit like the description of the other person. I feel like I'm withering away. I made it to church, but I'm singing these songs, and, I, and I'm, my heart's just not really engaged. I know what I should be feeling. I know, what I, I know what the Word says, but I'm just not there. My heart's not there. I feel like I'm withering. And I want you to hear this, and this, is, this can be hard to digest. I mean, there are a lot of things that can contribute to a withering heart and a withering soul. But having pastored now for almost 20 years, one of the most tragic patterns that I see is a sin that we don't like to call sin, and it is wickedness that we don't like to call wickedness. And that is the sin of indifference and the sin of apathy. And it has, it's getting a footnote and its own little asterisk in this message because as Christians, the path of righteousness and the path of holiness feels too uptight. It feels too restrictive. It feels too holier than thou and religious and right. And we are trendier than that now. I mean, we've learned so much by 2022 that, that we don't have to really live this way. We don't have to really abide by what the scriptures say. I can kind of have my own little version that's just a little bit off by a degree. I can create my own path. And yet what happens as you start out just a little bit this way, right? It doesn't feel that different, does it? But when you get farther and farther out, you become further and further removed 
from the path of the righteous. But you don't feel it. You don't see it. You don't know it. And the apathy that's crept into your heart is now rocking you. What do we do? What do we do? When your soul feels withered, either by deliberate choices or the apathetic non-choice, the Amazon Prime, the, the Netflix choices, two paths, one choice. Oh, this show? Oh, it's fine. It's, it's got gratuitous sex in it, but no big deal. I, I mean, I'm, I know what I'm doing, okay? I, I, I'll be fine. And you think to yourself, it's just not that big of a deal. And that is the, that is the language of the apathetic is that it's just not that big of a deal. And to God and the Holy Spirit, it is a tremendous deal. But little bit by little bit by little bit, it just withers away your soul on the inside, just chipped away. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're wondering, why don't I feel anything in worship? Why do I read the Bible and I get nothing out of it? Why is it that my marriage is still just, it's not very vibrant and my parenting is having so much difficulty? Take a look at the tiny choices that you're making along the way. Take a look at the tiny choices that you're making along the way because throughout the day, over and over again, what do you have? Two paths and one choice. As much as that I want you, I want you, the, 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 the Holy Spirit inside of me wants you to take this message, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I, I don't, maybe that's not actually the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's actually my flesh speaking. I want the sermon to be good. Where you're like, wow, that's awesome. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do better. <laughs> but I want you to hear this. Because the Bible, many times we look at it and we, we treat it like a self-help manual many times. But the danger in hearing this sermon and hearing it purely as a message of leave this room and do better is that you're going to once again, I have bad news and I have good news, you're going to choose wrong. You're going to. And so am I. And many times we read the, the, the Bible looking for role models, but what you really should be reading the Bible for are mirrors so that you can see yourself in the pages of absolute failure over and over again. What I actually need is somebody who can live and do this differently than me. I need somebody who is always planted and always rooted and who is, who, who, is, who is situated by streams of living water themselves and could actually give that away and maybe out of that person would flow rivers of living water. I need somebody who's always abundant, who's always prosperous, who's never withering and can always do what I'm unable to do. Oh God, if there was only some miraculous provision that you could 
would provide to help me walk the path of the righteous, that I would have strength on the inside to be able to look and say, not this way, but I'm going to go this way. I need something inside of me to help me because Lord knows I want to go this way. And I have great news for you. Jesus did what you and I cannot do. But look how he describes himself in John 15. He says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't use the word abide a whole lot. It's not in my vocabulary. Along with wicked, evil, you know, righteous, like these aren't normative outside of the church, right? I don't use these words a whole lot, but here's Jesus, and what is he describing himself as? A vine. Or another way to say this is that Jesus is what? He's the tree. He's the true tree. And notice the description that in him is what? It's fruitfulness. In him is life. The description that we get of the righteous one in Psalm chapter 1 is fulfilled in Jesus. And what does Jesus say? He says, come to me, abide in me. And the scriptures remind us that when you put your faith in Jesus, you are grafted into the tree of who Jesus is. That means when you're weak, all of the sudden you're strong, not because of your own strength because you have been brought into literally God himself, God his kingdom. His strength becomes your strength. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. His wisdom becomes your wisdom so that when you are without, you are actually full. That's who Jesus is to us. Abide in me. Delight in me. Delight in me. Delight in my instruction. Don't fight me. Don't resist me. Over and over and over again, what do we see God inviting his people to do? Not to pull themselves up and do better and work harder, but to simply trust him that his way is better than your way. That this path is better than the path that you make and the path that you create. When you feel the Holy Spirit nagging, nagging at you and nudging you, what are you going to do? Because you've got two paths. One choice. Are you going to choose the way of the Lord by the power of the Spirit living inside of you? Psalm chapter 2, verse 12 said, Blessed are all those who put their trust 
in him. So that's what you get to do. It might have had a weird beat. It might have had a strange rhythm. I don't know if it was harps. I don't know if it was drums. I don't know what kind of instruments they sang this song to, but they gathered. They gathered in the temple and they gathered in the synagogue and they sang this song. This was their jam. Let it be yours too. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.